This is East Carolina Offensive Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick. We are talking one of my favorite things, hired football and the sports objective. Welcome into the Sports Objective. We appreciate everyone tuning in whenever and however you're watching or listening, whether it's right now live on YouTube and Facebook or pretty much anywhere podcasts can be heard. You can find us. Today we're previewing the Pirates game against Tulsa and the final game of the regular season. Um, the Golden Hurricane will come to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and right now very excited to be joined by the play-by-play voice of the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, uh, his initial appearance on the show, and that is, of course, longtime voice, Bruce Howard. Bruce, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Hey, no problem, Bubba. Thank you for having me, and uh, where have you been? I, I was, uh, I've been waiting for years to be on this show, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, and we finally got our act together, Bruce, but no, <laughs> yeah, we, we appreciate you. We, we know you've uh, probably been enjoying a little vacation. Uh, appreciate you getting back with us and look forward to having you on the show. Um, whether it's talking Tulsa football or men's basketball uh, here moving throughout 2023 and into the future. But, uh, you know, taking a look at this program, obviously there was a significant amount of success under Coach Montgomery, but the administration chose to go in another direction. Kevin Wilson coming in, a veteran, a guy who's been in the coaching business for three and a half plus decades now, all the success at Ohio State as a coordinator, same thing at Oklahoma. And he also had, although the numbers aren't great, he got the Indiana program to respectability as a head coach. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's a guy that's come in. He's got a lot of energy. He's a veteran guy, so he's been through the wars before. He's hired what I consider to be a really nice, dynamic staff. And what I mean by that is the good combination of of one guy, you know, young guys that are the the vim and vinegar guys, and then the the old veterans that that have seen it before. So I think it's a really good mix in the staff, and I'm excited about what they've been able to do. They've done some really nice things through the spring, and then through, of course, recruiting, and now coming here in the. Uh, everybody wants to call it fall camp. I call it preseason camp because at 105 degrees last week, it didn't feel like fall. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I've kind of done the same thing myself i've started to say uh, fall camp a few times so i say it's definitely not fall yet but i um, mean taking a look at his staff tell us what you can uh, i know uh, the only staff member i'm very familiar with um you know without you know taking taking a look at things is steve spurrier jr i know he's your oc yeah he's the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach the the son of, of steve spurrier senior of course the old ball coach and so he He's coached underneath his da- under his dad for what is it nine or ten years at various places, including South Carolina, uh, but also some other places. He was under Mike Leach uh, at Washington State uh, and also uh, at Mississippi State. So uh, he's learned under a couple of pretty darn good gurus. So I I really have been impressed with with him so far. Uh, good family man. He has seven kids. He has uh, triplets, uh, and he's got uh, he's got twins. And then and then you know I mean. And then two singles, if you will. He has joked about the fact he has seven kids and 
you know, had he had he uh, you know gotten gotten uh, some quads, he'd have broken the record or or hit for the cycle or something like that. So at any rate, he's he's a really good guy, good family man, uh, understands the game. Um, I'm not going to anoint him as a quarterback whisperer, but you got to figure he knows quarterback play, and so he's a he's he's really terrific, and uh, I think he's going to do a good job with with what Tulsa will have this year, which is a fairly young you know quarterback room. Uh, so you're familiar with him, um, and I'm not going to go through the entire staff, but Chris Polizzi is the defensive coordinator. Now they didn't have one initially. They had one that was there briefly and then left. And then, and then Chris has come on since the advent of spring ball. And he's done a really nice job. Uh, Coach Wilson did a really, uh, I thought, a really good thing in terms of, you know, he didn't panic when he had to go search for a defensive coordinator. He got the right guy. Um, you know, they went through spring ball with, without him. And, and, boy, he just picked the ball up running as soon as he got here. And uh, everything seems to be uh, running really, really smooth. You know, they're – there are several other, uh, you know, assistant coaches that I've been very impressed with. Ron Burton is a really experienced guy on that defensive line. Um, and uh, Ryan Switzer may be a guy that some fans might remember as a Dallas Cowboy. It's not long ago that he returned a punt something like 89 yards in a Sunday night football game for the Dallas Cowboys. So he's the wide receiver coach. And uh, and, and what I love about uh, a lot of these guys, and even even so-called older guys, they have great energy, and especially a guy like Ryan Switzer. I mean, he's he's not only just a couple of years removed from being in the NFL, but he has great energy. And, and, and without question, Bubby, you know how important this is. You know, he's got some street cred with these young guys, no question. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I recall seeing that now that you bring up Ryan Switzer. I remember him making plays um, for the North Carolina Tar Heels uh, mm -hmm. in the return game. As as well as a receiver, yeah, absolutely. I did a lot of did a lot of things and uh, was was kind of in that Danny Amendola mode, and you know, really, and, and and may have been even more athletically gifted because he had he had great speed and uh, you know had a, had a good career, and then he kind of got hurt a little bit, and now he's in the coaching business, and we're glad to have him. You talk about. Coach Wilson and Steve Spurrier Jr. having to figure some things out at the quarterback position. I know Davis Brand moved on to Georgia Southern. And so um, tell us about uh, Braylon Braxton and then the other contenders for this job and the other guys in that room. Well, Braylon Braxton really finished the year strongly. I mean, he had a fabulous game against Houston. It was the final game of the year. Tulsa came in four and seven. Um, I'm not saying they didn't have anything to play for. I mean, you, you know, if you're a Division One athlete, you should be ready to play every game. But what I'm saying is they weren't going for a bowl game and all that. And he sparked – this young quarterback sparked the team uh, coming from behind at Houston in the final game of the year. And he was absolutely spectacular. He's a guy that uh, is – you know, he's, he's probably an underrated thrower. He can, he, he can sling it, but he also does a great job of uh, keeping plays alive with his feet keeping his eyes downfield to, to make a big play. And he also, uh, you know, he, he also can run it. He also can make people miss and run it. And that's the one thing that you don't see when you're talking about spring ball and then in the preseason camp is, you know, as soon as they touch the quarterback, you know, that's it, plays over. There are going to be some plays we haven't seen here in the preseason made by uh, young Braylon Braxton where he breaks a tackle and continues on and makes, makes something happen. He did that right at the end of the first half of the Houston game. Um, I don't want to say it was a broken play, but it was a read option play. And he, he pulled the ball and ran something like 35, 36 yards for a touchdown and basically weaved through the entire Houston defense. And, you know, the Houston defenders aren't chopped liver. You know, they usually have some pretty good talent back there and uh, scored a touchdown. And if you saw that young man 
come off the field after that play. He was literally gleefully skipping, uh, jumping in the air and skipping as he ran back to the, uh, uh, you know, to the, to the sideline. And it was, to me, it was just fun to watch because it was just unfettered joy. And that's the kind of stuff you want out of, you know, one of your leaders or out of one of your young players, just, just a, a, a really animated play, animated player. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll be able to make the, the basic plays as well, but he can sure make some spectacular ones. And then I know you, you, ret- I know you return uh, Watkins and Presley um, at, at the skill positions, but, you know, tell us about some of the, the running backs and receivers that um, he'll have the opportunity to distribute the ball to. Yeah. Anthony Watkins is a returner. Uh, wasn't a factor last year. Um, and, and a guy that really has uh, a lot of talent, you know, Daneric Prince right now is in the Kansas city chiefs camp as a free agent. He was the leading uh, running back last year. And he, he looks like he's going to make that team and has really done some nice, nice things. So you had a pretty talented guy there uh, as the number one, uh, but Jordan Ford, uh, and Taj Gary is a transfer from Virginia Tech, and he's a guy that only played three games and then got hurt. He's He's got a lot of uh, potential as well. Bill Jackson is a guy that can make plays. And then you kind of mentioned a, a, a wide receiver, Swiss Army knife type guy, Braylon Presley, who's a transfer from Oklahoma State, and he's still young. You know, he's only going to be a redshirt sophomore coming in. He had one year at Oklahoma State. But he's a guy from a, a nearby town, Bixby, south of Tulsa, highly recruited, uh, a little bit undersized, uh, but if he gets out in space, man, he just makes people miss. So he's he's one of those guys that'll be an X factor. Not sure where you're where you're going to see him, uh, but when you see him out in the field, you better believe they're going to try to get the ball to number five. So he's very talented. The leading receiver coming back is Malachi Jones. Uh, he was their third leading receiver a year ago. Had 37 catches for nearly 500 yards. You know, Tulsa had two really good top line receivers that 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 uh, graduated and and one of them's the all-time leading receiver Keelan Stokes which I'm no ECU fans have seen him <laughs> through the years so uh yeah so, remember, remember the name well <laughs> yeah so they do have to rebuild a little bit in the wide receiver core but they do have you know they do have some guys and they have some young guys and and you know how that is you know the young guy that hasn't played a whole lot has two catches in his career well now as a sophomore as a junior he's got to step up and and I think they got they they've got some guys that can do that but uh that's that's primarily you know, your, your skilled position. And, and, and if you recall the offense that Philip Montgomery ran for the university of Tulsa and compare that to, to Kevin Wilson's offense, obviously everybody's a little bit different, but this Tulsa team, I suspect will throw more to the tight end than the Tulsa team uh, from a year ago did. Um, uh, you know, in the past, the, the, the tight end basically was an H back, a blocking back type guy. And the tight ends might catch five passes in a year. I think that's going to be a little different with, uh, with Kevin Wilson. He'll, he'll move places, move players to places that he thinks they can be effective. And, and I think tight end is one of those positions. So we'll see what happens there. In preparation for, for this conversation, I, I was you know, reading up on um, things on the offensive line. It said that the, the pass protection left a little something to be desired a year ago. So, so tell us, how things look in the trenches for Tulsa? Well, and Tulsa lost a couple to uh, to the portal uh, during that period of time, frontline guys. But I, I like what they've done so far. Um, you know, in the in the fall in the preseason camp, and uh, you know they've got some guys that have had some experience. Uh, you know, uh, Ty Marks, Kai Leon Herbert, transfer from Miami. Will Farniak is the center. He's a veteran, so he comes back for his final year. Uh, and, and Bryce Bray and Daryl Simpson are guys that have seen the bullets fly as well. And Bryce Bray, a transfer from Oklahoma State, 
um, you know, could be a big factor this year. So they do have some guys that have been kind of through the wars, but I, I don't think there's any question that, uh, you know, they have to continue to up their game. And I think they are, um, you know, early on in, in preseason camp, if you will, defense is usually a little head of offense. And so they, you know, after the, after the first practice coach, coach was asked what stood out and uh, coach Wilson said, and this was pretty funny. Coach Wilson said, well, what, what stood out is we can't throw it and we can't catch it. Uh, you didn't ask me what stood out positively. And I, and to me, that's what stood out. And of course, obviously, you know, obviously since then it's gotten better. So, um, but it, that was pretty funny. And I think it's, uh, it's just natural to have that happen. And, uh, you know, offense catches up and, and I think they'll be fine on the offensive line. I'd say that's uh, good news defensively though. I, I know uh, a season ago, um, not the best um, for the golden hurricane on that side of the ball. And I um, you know, and I did see that um, you do return, what, three or four key pieces in the trenches, though. Yeah, there are some guys. And, again, I, I think in this day and age, and, and I, you know, previously Tulsa had run a three-man front, so they they rotated nine guys in, you know, for those three positions. So what you end up with the next year is you end up with guys that have actually seen some playing time. So uh, guys like Owen Ostrowski uh, and Jaden Simon, Joseph Anderson, um, you know, Von Troy Malone is a young defensive end who really should be good. He only saw a few snaps last year, but uh, you know, three or four or five of those guys have, have seen some time and that's, that's always good. And I think, uh, you know, the, the scheme will be, I'm sure a little bit different than a year ago. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm envisioning that they'll have different numbers of fronts and that kind of thing. So I, I, I really like what I see from those guys. And then, you know, they, they got some pretty darn good, you know, transfers that, that came in that I think are going to be uh, pretty good that, that, that are, they're coming not only on the defensive line, but also in the linebacking core and the linebacking core took a little bit of a hit. So I, I think they'll be fine though. Who are some of those incoming linebackers? I, I, I know uh, that there were significant losses there, as you mentioned, and I don't know if, um, if I'm recalling correctly, I, I knew that you had at least two, if not more, transfers from Oklahoma State on the defensive side. Yeah, and you had a transfer, Justin Wright, who led Tulsa in tackling the last couple of years. He went to Oklahoma State. So it's like, uh, you know, it's almost like it was a trade, right? So <laughs> uh, Julian Simon, he's shown up pretty well early on. He's from USC. Um, Colton Smith transfers in. He's a Division II player that will play his final year. He's come in and made a lot of plays so far. And, again, we're only talking about three or four practices. So – it is still young, um, but uh, he's a guy that comes in from Division Two, and I, I think two years ago led Division all of Division Two in tackles last year, a little bit less in his in his senior year, and now he's got the grad year. Uh, so he's a guy that's come in and 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 done some nice things. Uh, and, then, and then you have some um, some guys like a Mitchell Culkin who has played a lot, uh, playing at linebacker Brian Johnson and some others, but. Uh, you know, you, you fill in those gaps. You're not sure what you have sometimes when they come out of the portal, but I think Kevin is pretty happy with what he's gotten in that linebacking position from the portal. East Carolina really upgraded in the secondary. Um, much more links and speed and athleticism for the Pirates. Um, tell us about the Golden Hurricanes on the back end. I'd say that's one of the that could be one of the strengths of the defense, at least experience-wise. Uh, because, you know, at, at nickel with a guy like Jace Oliver, uh, L.J. Wallace has played at strong safety. You've got uh, Kendarren Ray, who's been a safety for a very long time, and he has his final, you know, his final go around. So all of those guys have, have played frontline safety 
uh, for Tulsa. Reggie Ellis and Tyree Carlisle have played at corner and have started at corner. Uh, Dante Bart, uh, uh, Dante uh, Burton, uh, you know, is a transfer from a year ago. And uh, Kiwan Parker is a transfer in from Arkansas, and he looks like he can make plays. So I think it's one of the deeper areas, that secondary. And again, when you run with those three safeties, you do have to have numbers. You know, when you got that nickel safety and you have five guys back there, you do have to have numbers. And I think Tulsa done a pretty good job of bolstering what they had with some new guys. The kicking and punting aspects of the of the special teams were you know, really quite a struggle for the Pirates at times a season ago, and you know, probably cost us a game or two. But um, you know, I know Tulsa had a very experienced kicker. He he has since moved on or graduated. So you know, how how are the Golden Hurricane looking there at kicker and punter? Yeah, I mean at uh, uh, at the um, place kicking position. Tyler Tipton uh, is a young man that's kicked a little bit for Tulsa. He would appear to be the heir apparent, although there's some other, you know, some other guys. Um, Scott Sanford is, looks like he may be the punter, but you know, you never know with with the fights that go on. Um, uh, you know, Tulsa did did lose their frontline punter from a from a year ago, and uh, uh, and that young man moved on to boy, I'm trying to think out west somewhere. Um, maybe Cal or Stanford, I can't remember. But at any rate, um, you know, that's that's going to be a, a, a growing pains thing, or at least you hope you hope you you grow through uh, preseason camp and, and get it together. Um, but, yeah, the, that, that'll be a little area of newness for Tulsa. It doesn't mean they'll be, you know, failing in that particular area. But uh, certainly there's no question they'll, uh, you know, they'll be working, you know, hard at, at, at getting that right. And, uh, um, you know, and, you know, and take away from the, you know, the deep snapper either, you know, Caleb Matthews did that a uh, little bit last year and he's going to, he's going to be back. So, I mean, there'll be, they'll be uh, continuing to work hard at it. As this program approaches that season opener against Arkansas Pine Bluff, you know, just talk about, uh, you know, what coach Wilson has really been, what are two or three major things that you've heard from being around the program, you know, be it uh, in spring ball or throughout the summer that he's uh, emphasizing? Well, one thing he emphasized from the very outset was discipline, you know, um, just making sure that these guys, and this is not only on the field, but off the field as well. Um, he's really stressed the academic aspect of it. Do not miss classes, go to class. He'd been very, very, um, uh, you know, very hard nosed about that. You know, you, you got to go to class. Uh, and, uh, you know, you've got to be disciplined. I think that's probably you know, one of the things and, in, in, um, you know, that, that I think has, has improved. Now Tulsa, I think a couple of years ago, led the nation in, in, in penalties. And last year they were very high on the list. So look for that, hopefully to go down, I think with discipline and that sort of thing, usually the penalties go down, you know, as well. Um, so I think those are two really big things that he brings, you know, has brought to the table. And then, you know, there, there's no question that when you have a new staff, there's a new sort of vitality there's a new energy and that's not to say that the that the old coaching staff didn't have energy but there's always that newness and that that's always something that's very positive and um like like i mentioned before he's 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 very energetic you know he's he's got something going all the time and uh, that's the way a head coach you know that's that's kind of the life of a head coach and he's he's used to it before at indiana he's used to it at ohio state and i think he's you know kind of hit the hit the ground running um you know i'm really looking i I'll, I'll be honest. I'm just looking forward to to uh, to what's going to happen because the I, th I think anymore in college athletics and talking about 
uh, football specifically, but in college athletics, more now than ever, Bubba, you don't know what you got. You don't know what you don't know what's going to happen with with the NIL and with the the portal and all that. You know, sometimes you just don't know how it's going to get pieced together. And, and good thing is we got a veteran guy at the helm, Kevin Wilson. He's used to piecing things together. So hopefully the product will be great starting on the 31st of August when we take on Arkansas Pine Bluff. But then we go to Washington and have a game against uh, Oklahoma. So it's it's not an easy non-league schedule. Uh, hopefully they can get through that and get ready for American play. Yeah, um, we were discussing that off the air. The Sooners coming coming to Chapman Stadium there uh, on the Tulsa campus. So and I know this certainly isn't the first time the Sooners have come to town, but uh, it's very, very interesting. East Carolina is playing a game at App State, a, a smaller venue, um, certainly no more than 40,000, upper 30,000, and uh, is something that, the very high demand for that ticket and the, the app state administration opted to charge $130 for, for that ticket. You know, how much demand I, I can only imagine on what it's like for the Sooners visit to Tulsa. Yeah, no doubt. There's a lot of interest obviously in, in Oklahoma uh, here in the Tulsa area about OU and uh, there's, there's no question, but you know, like any game that ECU has against maybe a P5 school, you know, you urge your fans to come out. Hey, make sure our fans buy those tickets and get out so that it's not a sea of crimson, you know, for the game. So it's, uh, it's definitely something that uh, folks have on their mind. Um, and I'm sure tickets are going fast uh, for that one. Uh, now, OU obviously had a, you know, they had a six and seven last year, six and seven season last year. Uh, and it's probably not up to their standards, but they are ranked number 19 coming into the preseason. So I'm sure they'll be ready to go. And I guarantee you, Kevin Wilson's team will be ready to go. Oh, no doubt. Tulsa would love nothing more than to uh, turn up the heat some more on Coach Venables and staff. But um, taking a look at the conference schedule, something that really stood out to me is how challenging the road slate is. Um, those four conference games that are on the road are pretty much against the upper half of the league, at least in terms of where they're projected preseason, um, against the likes of Tulane, East Carolina, SMU, and Florida Atlantic. Yeah, that's not going to be easy. Um, and and on the flip side of that, and I'm not saying these are easy touches, but, you know, Tulsa's got a chance to get off to a good home start when they get Temple. I'm not saying that Temple is terrible. I'm just saying that's not uh, that's not like last year when Tulsa started with Cincinnati, you know, uh, with with the league schedule. So they've got a chance to get off to a pretty good start in, in, in league play. First two home games would be Temple and Rice. And uh, like we often say here, every game's winnable and every game's losable. But certainly, those first two home games are are winnable games, and you you know you hope you're able to have some success uh, in the Florida Atlantic game in between. So I think they got a chance to get off to a good you know a pretty good league start. Now that said, I'm not the one that throws and catches and blocks and tackles and all that. So we'll see what the young men do. But uh, I'm, I'm you know it's like any season, as you know, Bubba. You just can't wait. You just can't wait to see him play. Visiting with. Bruce Howard, the play-by-play voice of the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, and a couple more things for you, Bruce. Uh, you know, final thing about the American um, with this new look, American. You know, what's your take on things, not only on the football side but also men's basketball and the other sports? Well, guess what? Florida Atlantic is a Final Four team, huh? You know, <laughs> coming into our league. So, basketball-wise, you know, there's obviously some some positives. The North Texas have been very good. Uh, football-wise, you know, again, the, these these guys. They get they get X number of scholarships, too. So I'm sure, you know, Florida Atlantic will be a good, you know, UTSA is obviously a really good program football wise. They came in, 
you know, as, as, as one of the favorites, you know, underneath Tulane and then, you know, you know, Tulane has had that turnaround and, you know, I'm sure they'll continue to, to, uh, you know, to do well under Willie Fritz. So I, you know, I like the, I like the new look league. I think there's some chance. I think there's a chance for almost any team in this league to think of themselves as, you know what, we can, we can contend in this league and we've got a chance to, uh, you know, to be good. Not, not that any team before didn't feel that way, but you know, when you had UCF Houston and Cincinnati, uh, you had a hard time thinking, you know, if you were down at the bottom of, you know, how we're going to beat all of those teams, you know? So I think there's a chance for almost any team in this league to, to at least think, you know what, you know, we could be that, we could be the Tulane this year, you know, we could be the team that, that does it and gets it done and gets to a championship game and that sort of thing. And I think that's kind of exciting. Certainly. I heard a couple of coaches reference that at media days. Hey, um, you know, we don't like where we're picked, but at the same time, Tulane was picked seventh a year ago, and we saw what they did winning 12 games and winning the Cotton Bowl and beating Southern Cal. Uh, final thing for you, save the most important topic for last. You know, unfortunately, back in mid-February, February 10th to be exact, East Carolina lost its longtime play-by-play voice, Jeff Charles, uh, who we had on the show several times, and, and it just – such a tragic loss and a way, way to lose Jeff, uh, you know, after, after he had defeated cancer, you know, back 10 plus years ago and, um, you know, seemingly doing well. So, and so active, but, um, you know, what are your memories of Jeff? Cause I know he and he and you had a very close friendship. Yeah. He's, he's one of my best friends was one of my best friends in the business. Uh, always, you know, very positive, always a guy that, uh, you know, friendly, uh, gave you advice, all of that sort of thing. And I know, you know, he's, he's a little older than me and I wouldn't say that he was a mentor, but I did learn a lot of things from him. Uh, you know, other guys like Tulane's Corey Glore, he was an actual mentor and, you know, Corey has all the greatest things in the world to say, uh, about Jeff, but Jeff was just such a class act. Um, and, and obviously he, he bled purple. He, uh, was, was a guy that, that loved ECU, uh, you could tell. And, and yet, you know what, he was, he was a really good and fair broadcaster. And when I say fair, I mean, fair to both sides. If somebody else made a good play, he'd, he'd recognize that. So, so not only was he a great broadcaster, but he was a better person. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you kind of, you, you kind of remember where you're, where you were when you heard the news. And I was in a hotel room in Orlando. I think we we're getting ready to play UCF the next day. And I get a phone call or a text, I think it was that, uh, that, that said that he had, that he had, um, I think that the text said he had passed away. Yeah. It said he did not make it. And it was just like, there was nothing else on my mind for the rest of the day, for the rest of the night, getting ready for the game the next day. And, uh, we do have a fairly close knit bunch in the American in terms of the broadcasters. And so there's a little email thread that, that, that I created a few years ago. And immediately I sent out an email thread to all of the, all of the other broadcasters in the league and, and, and boom, my phone was blowing up, ping, 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 you know, Oh no, you know, just everybody reacted the same way as you might expect is, that I did. And it was, it was a true loss and uh, what, a, what a great guy. And, you know, it's just, it, it was just a shame, as you mentioned that he beat cancer. He got through all of that uh, still very healthy. In fact, if I remember correctly, he passed away after working out, uh, yeah. the Tulane gymnasium during yeah. the run through the night before. I mean, um, you know, so it's, uh, it's just sad. And, 
Uh, obviously, I think, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of things that you can remember about him. What you have to remember is he, he loved ECU. He loved his family. Um, and the, I guess the good thing about it is you'll always have his voice on tape reminding you how good he was. No doubt. I have certainly listened to a lot of the classic calls from Jeff Charles over the last several months. Well, Bruce, certainly appreciate your time this afternoon before we let you go and tell folks how they can you know, tune into the broadcast and throughout the season and then also how they can fo- find you and follow you on social media. Well, we have a podcast of our own called uh, uh, it's, it's called Eye of the Hurricane podcast. So if you ever want to uh, dip into that, that's good. Um, uh, uh, I'm at Voice of Kane on Twitter at Voice of Kane. Uh, on Twitter. If you want to, you know, follow me on Twitter, that would be great. Our broadcasts are on Learfield. Uh, and of course, uh, as, as ECU fans, I'm, I'm sure know that, uh, uh, you know, that the network does a great job um, of uh, producing and, and allowing fans to, to, to uh, drop in. I'm trying to think of, of what they call it, the, um, uh, the network that, uh, that carries the games and you can get them on your phone. Um, varsity, varsity sports network. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah the varsity yeah. sports network has been, Great, because, you know, my 96-year-old dad in central New York can get his phone, tap into it, and listen to a ball game. So so the Varsity Network is a great way, and it's really been a way that I've, you know, had a chance to listen to Jeff and some other broadcasters from our league. You know, well, if, if I'm not doing a ball game and I have a chance to tap into the, the Tulane or the SMU broadcast, I'm able to do that on, on the Varsity Sports Network. So that's a great way to, to listen to games uh, as well if you want to hear you know, the other announcers in the league. So those are ways to get a hold of us and certainly look forward to coming out to uh, Greenville. I'm just hoping that they don't move that date back to Thanksgiving. I'd be okay with that game staying at Saturday on the 25th. You know what I mean? (laughs) Definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, Definitely makes it a little bit easier for, for fans um, or the opposing team making that track across the country like yourselves. But, um, you know, have an excellent 2023 season. And um, definitely would, would love to meet you when you when you come to Greenville here in a few months. Bubba, stop in, uh, come, you know, come into the booth and say hello. It's always, you know, a pleasure to, to talk with the great folks in Greenville and a pleasure to talk with you. And if you do tip your head in during the game, I might put you to work stats or something, you know. <laughs> I hear you. That's what uh, Dave Richmond, one of my co-hosts, jokingly refers to me as the stats guy for the podcast. But there you go. But appreciate the visit, and we'll probably, um, if your schedule allows, we'll try to have you back on for a brief 10- or 15-minute visit game week. Absolutely. Uh, be my pleasure. Take care, Bruce. Appreciate it. Right. There you have As we're here on a Wednesday. Uh, before we get out of here and wrap up this edition of the show, I wanted to preview tonight's content. Uh, tonight, we're going to be having the debut episode of just another sports podcast. I'll be sitting in for Stevie Fly, who unfortunately lost his father earlier this morning. Uh, so um, normally this would be Stevie Fly and Kyle Barber. Um, but tonight it will be myself and Kyle. Uh, we'll be joined by Andrew Bass, the all-American punter for the Pirates back in the 90s. Um, Bays will join us, and we'll obviously talk Pirate football as a whole, but we'll really hone in on the special teams and take a look at the Pirate kickers, the punters, return men, and so forth, headed into the 2023 season. We'll also take a look at 
season opening games for the Pirates. We'll have a top five list. So we'd love to have you join us. Chime in on social media, on Facebook, YouTube, and let us know some of your favorite season opening games, whether it's the 2008 Classic against Virginia Tech in Charlotte, the 99 game against West Virginia in Charlotte. Maybe it was um, that Duke game to open the Skip Holtz era at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium or uh, one of several other season openers down through the years for the Pirates. Um, also, you know, be sure to follow us on social media on X at eSportsOBJ. Like and follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and TikTok. You can follow us at the Sports Objective and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Taking a look at our programming for the upcoming weeks and throughout the football season, Every Monday night, you can join former East Carolina strength and conditioning coach Jeff Connors on Absolute Empowerment. Coach Connors knocking it out of the park with all these interviews, but the last two shows have been tremendous. George Koontz, Robert Jones, definitely go back and check those out if you have not already listened. Each and every Tuesday night throughout football season, we'll have the Pirate Preview. On the recent editions of the Pirate Preview, it's been much like this show where we're previewing the opponents. So definitely go back and check those out. Uh, we have now previewed, I want to say it's nine out of the Pirates, 12 opponents. We still have Charlotte, which will be tomorrow, and then SMU and Michigan to preview as we wrap up our look at the ECU opponents for 2023. Uh, we'll also have Sonny and Semenza each and every Wednesday night throughout the season. Uh, Jay Sonhalter, former Pirate tight end and current ESPN Plus color analyst, uh, will join former Pirate linebacker Matt Semenza, and they'll talk about some of the top games around the nation, uh, specifically as it pertains to the betting odds. Um, I've already mentioned just another sports podcast each and every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock with Stevie Fly and Kyle Barber. On Thursday nights, you'll have the Inside Slant, which is a college football preview show. We'll take a look at some of the top games of the week, be joined by beat writers, play-by-play voices, and more from around the country. A Pirate's Life for Me will be each and every Friday at noon. On the most recent episode, we caught up with Alex Turner, former Pirate defensive lineman. And on this coming Friday's episode, we'll be joined by longtime Pirate fan and Pirate Club member, Zach Darty. Uh, on Saturdays throughout football season, we'll have sights and sounds from Dowdy Ficklin Stadium or wherever the Pirates are playing. And then each and every Sunday night, presented by LNK Custom Homes, you'll have the Pirate football playback. Appreciate Kevin Walker and uh, KK, a loyal supporter of the program, back for a third year as our title sponsor. But for this episode, that will do it. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Have a great afternoon. And we'll talk to you real soon here on the Sports Objective. Take care, everyone. And as always, go Pirates. Touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going, let the hurricane y'all.